Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Going to be quick here on the intro because got a guest in, Andrew Brewster, the lead editor for Spartan, really the only editor, for Spartans Wire, uh, USA Today College Wire blog site uh, that, you know, covers Michigan State Athletics. He's the editor there. I'm the writer. Um, and so we're going to bring him in. He knows a lot about Michigan State, knows a lot about basketball. So we just, uh, I had him on, planned to talk for like 15 minutes, and we ended up going for like 35. So we're going to just play that sucker out, and that's going to be the three segments of today's show. Uh, reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day. Uh, and if you want to be on a future show, if you want to co-host a segment with me, email me a pitch, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Tweet at me, or actually DM me. Don't tweet at me. You don't have enough characters to pitch. Uh, but DM me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Just give me an idea of what you would talk about, what we would talk about for te- about 10 minutes. I'm actually, let me flip my calendar here, recording my first one. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, Thursday is my first one that I'm recording, and so that'll actually be out next week at some point. So that'll uh, give you an idea of what we're going for. Um, today's episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, let's talk about some basketball with uh, Andrew Brewster of Spartans Wire. Uh, we talk about Draymond Green to start, and then we talk about the uh, pro prospects of uh, Matt McQuaid, Nick Ward, and Kenny Goins after that. All right, we are welcoming to the program now Andrew Brewster of uh, Spartans Wire. Andrew, what are you, my supervisor? My boss? Um, <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I'm t- a technically lead editor, and then you're uh, <laughs> you're, a con- you're a contributing writer <laughs> uh, the yeah, lead lead editor uh, for Spartans Wire. Uh, I've been plugging my articles and some of yours actually as well, Andrew. Here, so the listeners know uh, about the site. We're we're just really getting going here. The two of us just I just started last month, and you the month before that. So we're just building this thing out. But yeah, I just wanted to bring you on. We're gonna talk some hoops here, and uh, you know, let the people hear your voice. They've probably read some of your words, and now we get to meet you. So thanks for uh, making some time and joining the show. I appreciate it. Hey man, really, really appreciate it. Appreciate the shout outs and uh, yeah, I'll take all the clout I can get and uh, <laughs> happy to, happy to join on Lockdown Spartans. I've been listening since before you knew me. So, or we knew each other. So uh, it's cool that now we're, uh, we're kind of in an allegiance trying to get the yeah. Spartans wire website come out and going. And I think that honestly, I think it stacks up to any of the other uh, USA Today college wire websites. So I think we've done a pretty damn good job so far. Yeah, I I agree. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, no, I found that really funny when the guy who contacted me about writing for the site was like, oh, yeah, the editor listens to your show. I was like, really? People actually listen to this show? I was shocked. Um, But we are not here to talk about how great we are. We are here to talk about some basketball stuff. Uh, I'll give you the option. Do you want to talk about Draymond Green, uh, the Warriors, NBA stuff first, or do you want to talk about Michigan State guys uh, that are potential pros 
going into like this offseason, like the guys who are going through these combines and stuff like that. Basically, you know, Ward McQuaid going. Do you want to talk about those guys? Or do you want to talk about Draymond first? Well, dude, I, I think we have to start with Draymond because honestly, what he's been doing is amazing. And I, I know that he's gotten, you know, some attention and recognition for it, um, for, you know, at least the statistical achievements with the triple double stuff. But I think not enough people talk about just how good he is. And um, I'm, you know, maybe even more bullish than the average NBA super fan on Draymond and what he does. But um, you know, this postseason has largely been, I think, um, in the public eye, or at least in my bubble on NBA Twitter, has been a lot about Kawhi Leonard and, and what he's doing in terms of an ISO scorer and a, and a one-on-one defender. But I think in what Draymond contributes to the Warriors in terms of team defense and team offense is kind of hard to quantify, but none, never, uh, nonetheless, it, it's extremely impressive. And I think that, you know, if you do understand a little bit more of the nuance of the NBA game, it's remarkable what he's doing. Well, and it's not even like just understanding nuance, because I remember maybe it was a couple of years ago, I heard someone talking, maybe it was Ryan Rosillo at ESPN, and just saying like the opinions on Draymond that you can get league wide are insane. You'll have guys who are just screaming at you like, this guy is a top 15 player, no doubt about it. You're an idiot if you don't think he's a top 15 player. And then there's a bunch of guys, executives and things like that, who, who don't think very highly of him, think it's a joke that he's an all-star, think he's just an average basketball player, you know, a system guy and things like that. So, like, yep. even among the people who know basketball and, like, do that for a living, the the opinion was, was really he's a really polarizing guy for a while. But I think he's finally starting to – I don't know, or get some of that recognition. And I think it's because of the triple doubles. Once you start stacking up playoff triple doubles, uh, people pay attention. But like the main thing that I do, because I know a little bit of basketball, but uh, you know, I know a lot of people know a lot more about me. And so I listen to them and I always see <laughs> them write or hear them say like, Draymond is one of the smartest defensive players I've ever seen. Uh, and it's not just like one or two people saying that it's multiple people, some who uh, are writers, some who are former front office executives, insiders, things like that. And it's just like you sort of watch them. And I don't know if you read the thing with Zach Lowe uh, where Draymond just kind of broke down 10 plays uh, in his process and stuff like that. But like the dude is just a savant defensively, like the way everyone talks about LeBron and how he processes things offensively in basketball, like Draymond does that on the defensive end it's it's absolutely insane how good he is not just like guarding someone one-on-one but all the other stuff that goes into playing defense in the NBA because you're hardly ever just guarding a person at one time for a possession in the NBA that never happens anymore oh no yeah it, it, you're completely right and what it is is he's the quarterback of the defense he's He's orchestrating all the other all, all the other players on the court, telling them where to go, assigning he's, coverages. He physically out. pushes people sometimes. Like, get yeah, your ass yeah, over he's a coach there. on the floor. Yeah, and I, it, it will be interesting to see what happens after he's done with his playing career. I mean, he's probably about to cash out pretty soon here, um, with it with a huge max deal or, or close to it. So I don't know yeah. if coaching is going to be something he wants to do, but he's easily one of the smartest players that I've ever seen. And uh, it is that team defense and orchestrating things. He does it on offense, too, with a way that he he always knows when to put a screen. His passing is really probably underrated at this point. Um, He doesn't doesn't score a lot of uh, buckets, which I I think is part of what 
you know, decreases how much attention he gets for his offensive prowess. But when you play with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, you don't need to get buckets because they're the three of the most efficient scorers of all time on your team. So he just kind of feeds them the ball and gets them open with screens. And, uh, yeah, so w- what I've really been thinking about with Draymond in terms of the team defense and how smart he is is uh, there's a, a guy on NBA Twitter, uh, Ben Taylor, really smart guy. I recommend people check him out um, if they're in- interested in the, in the NBA in a deeper level. But uh, he broke down some of Kawhi Leonard's defense. Um, Kawhi, rightfully so, you know, gets a lot of praise for what he does on defense. But um, in terms of team defense and, and helping off ball, he, he just hasn't been as good this season as, uh, as this postseason as Draymond has. And it just puts things in such stark contrast for me when uh, – this the things that Draymond is doing when he really covers for Steph a lot of the times um, on defense coming off the screens. Like like you said, he's pushing guys around, literally putting them in the right positions. He's barking out coverages. It, it, it's really phenomenal to watch. Yeah, and if you want to, guys who that are listening to this right now, uh, go check out uh, Zach Lowe. Uh, I forget his freaking Twitter handle. Just search Zach Lowe on Twitter if you're not following him. Another person you should be following if you want an entryway into learning about basketball. But he did a little sit down with Draymond where they just went over some different plays and things like that. And Draymond talks through his thought process and things like that. And how like somehow in the middle of the fourth quarter of a playoff game, he has the presence of mind while defending a two-on-one type situation to know like who's in front of him, who's behind him, what skills both those guys have, what's their dominant hand, What's a move to get them to do exactly what Draymond wants to do? It's crazy how fast he processes information. And it's, it is very much mm-hmm. like, like a quarterback in the NFL, like snap to throw, like you have two seconds to interpret all this information and he does it uh, probably better than anybody in the NBA right now. There's certainly some guys who you could bring up in the conversation, but uh, at the very least, he's head and shoulders above everybody in that regard of the you know the two teams I, left right I, now. Uh, Will, I, I do have a question for you. Maybe, maybe this is how we can kind of uh, be the last part of the Draymond uh, conversation here. But I, I did kind of see this floating around Twitter yesterday. But, I, I mean, Draymond is probably the second best Spartan in the NBA of all time, wouldn't, wouldn't you think, at this point? Uh, second just to Magic Johnson? Yeah, I think that's fair given – uh, obviously the championships are nice and you can quibble with how much of an impact he had on that. But I think 2016 kind of taught you enough uh, with how things sort of fall apart when Draymond's out for just a game uh, with that team. And just, you know, if you ask uh, really anyone who knows basketball, like they'll tell you Draymond's been a top 20 top 15 player in the league for this entire Warriors run. Uh, then you got defensive player of the year. What has he got? Five all defense. Uh whether first or second yeah, team yeah, it's either four or five yeah yeah and he'll, year, I think it's five yeah and he'll add a couple more to that um he's got a handful of all-stars like so he's got enough individual things as well to sort of be recognized in that and I don't even know who you, like who would you bring up as second behind magic right now Jason Richardson uh, or yeah I was gonna uh, say Zeebo? Jason Richardson yeah Z- Zebo or Jason Zeebo. Richardson would probably be the uh yeah, the, the two the two next in line there, and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, going Draymond over both those guys. Per- personally, I don't even think it's close. And and like I said, I am kind of bullish on Draymond. I I think there's a lot of things that he does on the on the court that don't show up on the stat sheet because the other guys on the team that are with him, um, just he just doesn't need to pad his stats ever because he plays on the 
the freaking Golden State Warriors. Yeah, like but, uh, honestly, I, if he takes a shot, it's a bad shot unless it's a layup or like there's a purpose yeah. behind it. Like when he's playing with Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant, and, and Clay Thompson, he shouldn't be taking any shots. That's why he doesn't it's bad, score. It's a math problem. It's a, it's yeah. a it's bad math. <laughs> he doesn't score because he's so good at basketball. Um, yeah, if he was a bad player, you could probably put up. Or you know, <laughs> there's a lot of guys in the league that are are in, are more inefficient. And if he was a stupider player, maybe he'd put up 20 points and, and make yeah. more All Star teams. But it'd be less efficient, and they wouldn't be a, the team that they are. But he's so unselfish, so smart. It's ridiculous. And I'll, I'll go on the record right now and just say that, in my my opinion, um, whatever that's worth, I don't think there is a Golden State Warriors dynasty without Draymond Green. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you have two of the five best shooters ever, the best shooter ever, and then third or fourth, depending on how you want to shake out that list. And so I think they still would have re- reached a pretty considerable height, like a perennial sort of like that OKC team with KD. They get to the finals once. They're in the conference finals a handful of times. But yeah, like they went from, uh, what were they, like eighth in defensive efficiency with Mark Jackson uh and then Draymond Green gets subbed into the the starting lineup for uh was it David Lee right yeah and they yeah and then the next year they're the number they were really good on offense but they were the number one defense the next year yeah, uh and, and then after the that area yeah time. yeah they're they're like it gets disguised because their offense is so fun and exciting and the shooting is great but like they've won championships because their defense has been absolutely incredible for five years um yeah, like so, yeah, I, I'm it, I'm kind of with yeah, you. It doesn't yeah. become it doesn't become the, the le- they don't get to reach the level they reached. Like maybe they get a championship in four or five years, and it's tough to know because the KD stuff. But like a team centered around Steph, Clay, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, and you know give them a solid big that's better than David Lee or something like that. Like I could see that team getting to a finals and. Probably it would have been like a, it would have been like a little. It would have been like a similar but better version of this year's trail, trail, uh, Trailblazers. Yeah, like two exactly. really good guards yep. and some role players. Yeah, yeah. Give them Nurkic and Steph and Clay, and that team can probably get to the finals once in a four or five year span. Um, not every finals winning f- potentially four of five. Yeah, I'm with you, and it's just like they say it like the leadership, the heart and soul and all that crap that he brings to, and it's not just, it's, it's intangible stuff as well, along with uh, all the defensive prowess and intensity and, and just the insane person that he is. Like he's a dude you go to war with. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just, I just think it's, it's been a really special postseason, So I definitely think it was, you know, warranted starting with that. And uh, especially after the year that he had dealing with injuries, um, he admitted that you know he had the he was kind of barking at refs. He, he got a little mm-hmm. bit out of shape after you know I think most Spartan fans know that when he left Michigan State he he lost like 30 pounds or whatever and got really cut up and then kind of let himself sag back into poor shape. But going into the postseason he lost 20 pounds, got healthy, and he's just been probably a top top five player in the playoffs. I think uh, without a doubt, in my at least in my opinion. Yeah, once you get past Kawhi, I mean you, you know Kawhi, Steph. Uh, Giannis was going on a run there. Um, you know, after those three guys, I'd be comfortable sliding him into there, especially given, uh, the, the big offensive moments as well. The defense has been awesome the entire time, but he's had big offensive moments as well. 
All right, we're going to take our first break right there. When we get back, we'll start talking about uh, McQuaid, Ward, and Kenny Goins and their pro prospects. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. The Himalaya podcast app is totally free, super easy to use, and has all of your favorite podcasts, including this one. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to Segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's get right back into our conversation with Andrew Brewster of the Spartans Wire. You said that would be a good segue to talk about, <laughs> like, that discussion would be a good segue for to talk about current, or I guess more recent former Spartans that are going to try to transition to the NBA. Uh, and that's yep. Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, and Nick Ward. Uh, none of them looks like are going to be drafted. That's not a crazy uh, surprise. Um, let's start this way. If I had to, if you had to rank them based on percentage and you don't have to give me the actual percentages, but rank them based on chances, this person reaches and plays in the NBA for not just like a minute, you know, who's got the best chance of those three to get to the NBA? Who's second, who's third? Yeah, I, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to start us by saying McQuaid, I think, does have the best chance right now, which which seems weird because, you know, Nick Ward was kind of the, the anchor of that Spartans team for a couple of years there. Obviously, last year was a little bit weird with injury and kind of got outshined by Tillman at the end of the season. Um, you know, because Tillman kind of emerged as just a much more versatile athletic player. But um, I'd say McQuaid just because if you can shoot like he can shoot, um, if his defense translates to the, to the pro game even a little bit where he can stay on the floor. I mean, he he was second team all Big Ten defensive last first. year, I believe, or first team, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and again, it's different being a really good defender in college compared to the pros. You, you're guarding the best athletes in the world. But if he can at least just be, a, you know, not a negative on that end and, and be able to cover um, bench players, and, and if he can knock it down from three, uh, I was a little, I guess I, I'll i say a little disappointed. I saw his PBC combine numbers. It, it wasn't spectacular, but it is kind of a weird, you just get, you get you know, one or two shots to go up there and shoot threes and that, that's your score. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm thinking that his shot's going to translate. I'd be surprised if it didn't. And it might take him a little bit in the G League to, to, to get to that level, but I would expect him to be able to make an impact in the next level. I mean, ball handling, defense, shooting he's got all three of those things at least he did in college so I'm I'm anticipating for him to make it to the pros for at least you know a a short run yeah and he's actually my first guy too and and the main reason is because I know what specific role he fits in the NBA Um, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of different things uh, different ways to make the NBA Um, if Matt McQuaid is to make the NBA I know exactly how he's got to do it and I see a foundation for that. I think, uh, I think honestly, his athleticism defensively will be the biggest inhibitor. I think at times, uh, even against, and it was usually against the higher end wings, uh, he would run into some problems with guys who were able to uh, be a little bit quicker and stronger than him. But that's something that can be remedied. You know, he's six five, two hundred. Uh, I think he's got a decent frame where he can add on to a little bit and be, you know a stronger guy who can body guys more defensively. And if someone's going to try to be a quicker player or something like that, he can be a more physical, bigger two guard um, where he's not taking on, you know, six, nine wings who can move. It's more six, three, six, four guys that he can body up a little bit uh, to keep himself out there. He's athletic enough to guard those guys, but I think he needs to get a little bit stronger 
uh, to sort of change how he's going to play defense because he's not athletic enough to just be a great athlete defensively. He's got to have a little bit more juice behind him there in terms of a different approach because um, his feet, you know, just aren't that fast. You know, they're they're okay, they're fine. Um, but there were times in in the college game where Aaron Henry had to take over for him on guys because he just couldn't really hang in there. But you know, he's an eighty one percent free throw shooter, and there's a lot of people who trust that to translate to NBA three point percentage mm-hmm. better than college three point percentage. Um, so eighty yep. one, you know, eighty one's a solid number there. Uh, I wish it was like eighty seven. I'd feel a little bit better, but eighty seven in college is a really great free throw number. So there's enough of a stroke there that I think will be all right. And, you know, 42%, once you're up in that range in college, I think there's a pretty good idea that you can be a solid shooter. Uh, And he really, really got good at shooting in transition off the break uh, this last season. He was a really good transition three shooter from the wing. And I think that's going to help in the NBA. That's a skill set that can transition right away. So I think he's certainly – going to see some time in summer league. And I think he'll end up in the G league. And if he gets into a good organization uh, like the Spurs, maybe who've shown they can do a good job with their G league and actually using it uh, as a developmental tool. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with Spartan players. Uh, If if he lands in the right spot, I could see him being in the NBA in a couple of years and being a solid three and D guy off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no doubt at all. And it's, you know, with his athleticism too, and I, I've said the exact same thing about Cassius Winston, well, give, give him the summer, give him a, a summer in an NBA training program mm-hmm. or a strength and a strength and weight training program. Maybe he can add a, another step to his athleticism and, and improve that. And, and like you said, gain a, gain a little bit of weight to add a little yeah. more muscle. I, I think we'll, I think we'll definitely see that from Cassius after he graduates. And hopefully we see that from, McQuaid this summer um, as well, but yeah, I agree with everything you say and everything you said, and uh, I definitely think when a, within a couple of years we'll see him there. Um, c- coming out of college so old, you know, I, I think it could be sooner rather than later, but we'll we'll have to see all this stuff translates on the floor. Yeah, and you know, he, he, I, with his age, I think once you get out of the lottery, honestly, I think people start to care a lot less uh, because the NBA draft is such a crapshoot with age and things like that. I think, you know, teams, if they're going to sign an undrafted guy and give him a three-year, whatever, uh, two-way deal or something like that, they're okay. If he's a four-year guy, um, you know, a little bit of experience there is fine. It's just, it seems to, there's a little bit of ageism when it comes to the lottery for understandable reasons. Um, but I, oh, I yeah, don't, totally. I, yeah, I don't think since like, he's not going to be a drafted player that the age thing's not going to be a major thing for him. Who's, uh, but who's it, it, it actually has started to, in, in some, some ways it started to swing in the other direction where you, if, you, if you're, if you're in the second round, you're probably, you might even be better off drafting an older guy who's ready yeah. to actually come and compete sooner rather than having a guy who, who's eight, you know, 18, 19 years old, who might need three years yeah. to develop. You might be able to get a guy who just needs to spend one year in the G league with the, you know, getting proper strength training. And then by the next year, he can actually help you can uh, help your team. Yeah. And those, like, if you're taking an 18 year old in that pick 47, like that's a flawed player with maybe big upside, but it's a huge project compared to this senior out of college is completed product. I know the ceiling's not high, but if he can come eventually in a year, give me six points, two rebounds, two assists, shoot 40% from three off the bench and play solid defense, that's his job. Like we need that person yep. on our basketball team. 
Okay, we'll break right there when we get back. Segment three, we'll talk about Nick Ward and Kenny Goins. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Spartans and the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need the free Himalaya Podcast app with their personally curated playlist and themed collection of shows. And download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's uh, finish this up strong with Andrew Brewster from the Spartans Wire. Let's move on here. Who's number two? And we'll try to go a little bit quicker here. We're running a little long. It's not a big deal, though, because it's it's good stuff. And I'll find a way to divvy this up to three segments. But who's number two between Nick Ward and Kenny Goins? Yeah, this is actually a good, a, a really good question. Uh, it, to me, it kind of depends what Nick Ward is going to look like the next time we see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Tom Izzo did make some comments about what Nick Ward looked like last year during the draft promise and made it seem like, you know, he shed some weight and, and kind of gained some explosiveness. And if, if that's the Nick Ward we're going to get, I, I think that it's possible. But my gut's kind of telling me that Kenny Coins might be a better NBA player just with his solid defense. He is able to, to show some, uh, some range. Uh, he's got a decent frame and he's, I know that the one thing there is that he is a little bit weird size. He's kind of in between a three and a four, but you know, in today's NBA, a three and a four are almost becoming the same position. Just, yeah. you know, there's wings, there's bigs and there's guards. I don't, yeah, I'm not point guards. super optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Like there's yeah, point there's guards, there's wings, there's bigs. <laughs> yeah. A ball, ball handlers, wings and, and, uh, yeah, and bigs. Exactly. I think that's what Brad Stevens said. There you go. Um, but uh, it just seems like everyone that not a lot of people are talking about him as a player that might end up in the pros. It seems like most people are just um, resigned to assuming that he's going to go to Europe. But when I watched him on the court, he he could hang with almost anyone in the country on defense. He was a you know he struggled in the postseason, but he, he's a solid offensive player all, all year. He's very smart. Um, I think he's got a decent shot. Yeah, I I'm. I'm kind of I don't I could probably go back and forth on those two. I think there's just yeah. more basketball ability with Nick Ward and there are a couple things that yeah, you know, post play is getting phased out of the NBA. Uh I wouldn't be shocked and I'm sure you probably wouldn't either just given, you know, the the people you follow and read and stuff like that. Uh, an NBA, if there is sort of rule shifts to kind of make post game more relevant, I think there's a lot of people clamoring for it uh, and trying to find creative ways to make post play more efficient could bring back some of that stuff. I don't think we'll ever see back to the basket type stuff, dump it down to the big man, watch him go to work, but there should be some sort of correction there. So I think just with Nick's, his hands are great. He's got really good feet for a guy his size. And I think those are two natural gifts that he can work with that are like NBA level skills that he has. Now they're not as important as they were 20 years ago for a big, uh, but they still, I think merit some mentioning like, Hey, uh, you know, this guy is a pretty good nimble athlete and, and maybe there's enough here that we can get him to be an average pick and roll defender because that's his biggest thing right now. I think, I don't know. He's just kind of built weird athletically. Um, mm-hmm. He's sort of like, he's like really strong upper body and then like thinner in the legs. And I think uh, a year or two in a professional strength and training environment will sort of help him. Cause it's a little bit like Draymond, although Draymond was a little, just kind of a dumpier athlete and played under the rim. 
Uh, and now, not that he's always o- over the rim, but could certainly can get over the rim and play with explosiveness. I think Nick needs to sort of make that kind of leap in terms of body development and athletic development. Um, but he's shown an ability to be an instinctive shot blocker. He rebounds all right. He rebounds pretty well on the offensive end. Uh, and I think there is a shot there. It's not a proven shot, but I think he's someone who you look at his jumper and you say, I could see him developing that to the point where it is something that needs to be respected because he can shoot 33% from three as like a stretch four. He just doesn't really have that body right now. So there's just a few things that have to go his way that he's going to have to work to get. Um, But I think he has enough raw talent to sort of be able to do it. It's just going to be kind of a process for him. And it's going to be tough to find someone to, you know, be really willing to put in that kind of time because you're not sure what kind of ceiling he has, you know, is does he end up as a 12th man type thing? Is that his ceiling? Is his ceiling come off the bench, play 12 minutes and score a couple buckets a game? Like, I don't know, most Bates or something like that, but not as gifted offensively because Mo Buckets got buckets, but that sort of type of player, you know? No, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It, that's kind of what I was alluding to at first. If, if what Izzo was alluding to is that there is a, a more uh, explosive athletic player that that can be unlocked there through some more strength training. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that he definitely can get there. I, I do think that the things that are concerning for him would be like pick and roll defense can getting killed by guards off a screen in the NBA. You have to be able to do that if you're a big, um, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'd see it right now, but oh, who no, knows if he can right get now. there. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not right now, but maybe he can get there down the road with, with, with a couple of years of a, uh, of you know NBA strength and conditioning um, on offense, I don't have any doubts that he is a great offensive player. But it is going to be you know is he going to be able to trim down and get to a, a point of athleticism where you can sprint out off a screen and, and knock down a, a a triple as a stretch four? I, I, it's hard mm-hmm. to see that right now. I, I'd almost say that he's probably better off going the other way and just trying to be a slightly undersized big. Um, but maybe getting in good enough uh, shape that he can, you know, increase his, innate, uh, his natural shot blocking ability and kind of work on that and expand that ability and make it um, make that kind of be his, his calling card on defense. Um, he is a smart player. I, I love his passing for, for an NBA prospect. I think that he's, he's a good passer out of the post. He's got good hands, like you said. Um, it'll be interesting to monitor him. I don't think anyone would doubt that he's, he's a very talented basketball player. It's just, it is interesting um, to see what's going to happen. I mean, he was not even able to, to start for the Spartans in the, in, mm-hmm. in the tournament. So, um, and for good reason, because, because Tillman um, has leaped past him as an NBA prospect and, and as a college basketball player, because he is more athletic. He is, more versatile he can get out to the three-point line and guard and guard guards and things that Nick Ward can't do and things that the NBA teams crave um, yeah. I'll say my what I'm what I'm really afraid of is that he's Caleb Swanigan yeah and that's and, and really Swanigan already had some range built into him and I think was they're similar similar athletically I think Nick cares not that he cares more but I think you saw more defensive intensity from Nick than you saw consistently from Swanigan. Like there were times this last season, especially, I think Nick really kind of grew up in some different ways. Um, Just in terms of like, just how he accepted his new role and limited role and things like that. And the challenge he would take 
when he played at Caleb Weston or Ethan Happ or things like that. Like he would mm. go like body dudes and like you could tell when like, okay, Nick is absolutely focused tonight. Uh, and he had the ability to go toe to toe with with really gifted, skilled bigs on the defensive side. So I think he's got that uh, over a guy like Swanigan. But yeah, like Swanigan was a back end of the first round guy because he was a big dude who could shoot it, uh, handle it a little bit and could score in different ways. And he can't find his way uh, on the floor at all. I don't even know if he's still with Portland or is he still just kind of stuck at the end of the bench there. Yeah, he's he's still on their roster. Um, yeah, he just doesn't he doesn't get any minutes. Yeah, he can't. He, he he's got the same limitations as Ward, basically. Yeah, I mean he can't guard anyone, and that's a, like if you can't guard anyone in the if you're a big who can't guard anyone in the NBA, like you got to be Enos Cantor, who's one of the best offensive rebounders uh, in the NBA, probably the. I, the best offensive rebounder in the NBA and who can score effortlessly in the post. (laughs) Yeah. Or you, do you have to have like a skill set, like something you do that is absolutely incredible. Um, Like, like boogie cousins can't really, you know, struggles defensively and pick and rolls and things like that. If you're a big who can't really defend in the NBA, you have to do something incredibly on offense. And Nick has some off uh, NBA skills on offense, but he just doesn't have an elite one. Um, That is like, yep that's going to translate for sure. And the stuff that he needs to have, uh, it's just not quite there yet. So it'll be a process for him. He's certainly a professional basketball player. Um, but uh, in terms of getting to the NBA, it's going to be a little bit of a process for him. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about Kenny for a couple minutes? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's definitely a wild card. I, I am, well, I'm optimistic personally. Like I, I think that he is a, as a guy who, who will probably, he has the body to be able to guard threes and fours in the NBA. I mean, mm-hmm. some, some, some threes will probably blow by him and some fours will probably, you know, be, beat him in the paint. Um, he kind of has a body type of almost like a, like a Tobias Harris where he's a tweener like mm-hmm. that. Um, his shot, Started, you know, it, it had times last year where it looked like it was coming together, and then it kind of all fell apart. So it's hard to tell if that was a real development in his progression. If that's something that's going to translate, um, we haven't been able to see him in any combines this summer, really, to to see if that hasn't, if that's you know something that's going to be consistent throughout the rest of his career. But that'll be something to monitor. I, I would be surprised if he's not at least invited to to work out with a team during summer league and maybe go to a training camp, but. Um, he might be a guy that has to start overseas or in the G League and and, and scrape his way up. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I like the Tobias Harris sort of comp because it's really easy to look at a guy like Tobias Harris and see uh, what his limitations are, but what he does really well and why he's such an effective NBA player. And then you're like, okay, Kenny doesn't really have all of what he has. So you can sort of, it's a yeah. really good gauge yeah. of like, here's how far away he would have to be from being like a solid NBA player because they do kind of mirror each other in different ways. Like just with Kenny, there's absolutely no off the dribble. There's no ball handling. He's a good passer, but there's no playmaking uh, aside from standstill pass delivering. Um, And, you know, once you get to the NBA, just standard post entries to a guy who's backing down on the block, like those go away. Playmaking becomes a different thing. Yeah, I think the shot is there. I think there's something to build on with it, uh, just given the improvement scene. But again, he's a 73% free throw shooter, and so that's a little concerning. It's also an incredibly tiny sample size. Uh, He shot 48 free throws in 39 games. He just doesn't 
playmake, so he doesn't yeah, go to the line. I, He's I'm not, not going to trust that at all. Yeah, so that 73 could be an 83 if you add 15 more free throws to it. Um, but, you know, 163 three-point attempts is a pretty uh, solid sample size. So I would be comfortable thinking he could eventually become a mid-30s three-point shooter in professional, uh, like in the NBA, like if he ever gets that opportunity. Um, so if he can do that, find a consistent shot and, you know, I think he'll be able to guard, he'll be a good rebounding wing. If he ends up sort of there is just kind of a stiff wing who runs around his athletic block shots, grabs rebounds and can hit threes. Then I think he could find a role like that. I think he's just got to kind of inch up, uh, his athleticism a little bit, inch up his strength a little bit, inch up his three point shooting a little bit, inch up, um, you know, some of his ball handling, playmaking type stuff that'll never really be at a point where, you know, he's not going to be a guy who scores a lot in the NBA, but for him to find a role, I think he's got to edge up all the things he does a little bit more. And then he'll have an opportunity to like, maybe get a chance. And that's, you know, for Kenny coming into this last season for him to have made that big of a leap to get to this point where we're like, that's not the most crazy thing ever. Like that's an insane yeah. jump for him. Like he the, the player he was after his junior season to now, like Kenny Goins was ready to go to work at a desk job nine to five. Um, and now all of a sudden <laughs> he's going to be a professional basketball player uh, for really as long as he wants to, because he can hang around in you know, decent enough leagues to make a living and, and make a solid living. And, and if he gets better, he can end up in a place where he can make a, a really solid living, uh, you know, for the next 10 years, if he wants to, he's, he's got that sort of, skill set that translates well uh, to professional basketball. He does things that you need. You need rebounding, you need shot blocking, you need defending, and you need three-point shooting. He can give that at a good enough level for most leagues in the world, just maybe not the top three or four. <laughs> yeah, man, and what, what you made a really good point. Yeah, who would have thought that, that we'd be talking about, you know, is Kenny Goins going to end up in the NBA? Um, at this point, will we, will, did we ever think that we'd be talking about Matt McQuaid in that way? Um, no, next neither. Year, we get, zero we get, percent like, chance Xavier for both Tillman, of them. Uh, Xavier Tillman, Aaron Henry, uh, this group, and, and what Tom Izzo has done, and I don't know if it's all him or, you know, m- maybe it's the leadership of Cassius Winston, the assistant coaches, so- something in the water in East Lansing right now. But <laughs> if, I, I'm looking at this roster for next year, and maybe this would be a good another t- a good pod for us to do maybe closer to the season. I'll hop back on and talk about it. But I was just looking at the 2018-19 roster, and there's a lot of guys that I, I see as potential NBA players. So they're doing something right over there right now. It's going to bode well for recruiting in the future if Izzo can prove that he can turn these three, four star guys into uh, legitimate NBA prospects. Yeah. Of like, <clears throat> like, uh, so 15 scholarship guys, I would say 10 of the 15 are guys that I could see and that I would give uh, a decent to me ish chance of being NBA players. Like there's no one who's a bona fide, like, yep, for sure. First round pick, but almost the entire roster is like, yeah, there's an NBA skill set here. I could see that potentially translating this is a, an NBA bench player. Like it's just a team full of really good basketball players who are all going to play professional basketball at some point. There's, it's like yeah, there's it, the it's floor insane, is so man. high. The ceiling may be a little low, but the floor is so high in that roster. It's crazy. It, it, it's insane, man. And like you had mentioned when I I, I wrote that piece, and again, this is something that we I'd love to talk to about, with you about more. But uh, Izzo might be to the point next year or in 2020 where. Um, he's benching guys who have a legitimate NBA future just because they're so mm-hmm. loaded in, in the front court. It's, 
like uh you know Marcus Bingham Jr. is someone that I I think has all the all the talent in the world to make it to the NBA once once he develops. I don't I don't know where his minutes are going to come from in the next yeah. couple of years. He might be he might have the highest NBA ceiling on the entire roster. Um and he can't get on the floor. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, if, we went. If, if you, oh, yep. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I mean, I, we got to cut this up at some point. Yeah, we just keep going. Um, uh, yeah, but it, it's just they're so loaded. And you did the thing about the front court, and when Hauser joins them the year after that, like my God, like I don't know how people are going to get minutes, um, especially if someone like Tillman doesn't end up going to the NBA after this next season. It's going to be pretty crazy, but it'll be really fun to watch. Uh, Andrew Brewster, thanks so much for joining me for the Spartans Wire. Check out our work there. What is it? SpartansWire.usatoday.com. Uh, yes, you can follow. What's your Twitter handle? Throw it out. It's at I am Brewster. I am B-R-E-W. Brewster. B-R-E-W-S-T. B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. Easy for me to say. All right. Uh, yeah, follow him, follow his work, uh, follow our work, check out the blog. Uh, appreciate the time. We'll catch up soon. All right. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. That was awesome. All right. Thanks again to Andrew for joining the show. Uh, definitely follow him on Twitter. Check out our work, spartanswire.usatoday.com. That's right. USA Today. We are official. Um, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I know it was a little bit of a long one, but I wanted to keep it all in. It was, I thought it was really good content. I didn't want to break it up into multiple things because i got some stuff I want to talk about on tomorrow's episode as well. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Thanks to Hotels.com, Himalaya, all the sponsors and all that good stuff. It is all very much appreciated. Rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe again. Uh, Let's hack the system. Get us up on the iTunes ratings. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.